And welcome to tonight's edition of the One Hood Power Hour. I'm your co-host, Kahari Mosey, here with my wonderful co-host, Miracle Jones. And we have a, a very special uh, episode tonight. You know, we're going to be getting a Harrisburg vibe check, um, as, as they say. Um, there's a lot going on in the state capitol that uh, impacts the lives of uh, everybody across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, we have a great, great uh team of experts tonight to talk to us about everything from, you know, us supposed to, supposedly to be at the eve of an election, but, you know, petitions were supposed to start tomorrow, but they're not going to start tomorrow. Um, and we're going to get into some of that very shortly, um, you know, talk about, you know, the various campaigns, you know, uh, this today is the day after Super Bowl Sunday, a lot of Pittsburgh representation in the Super Bowl, a lot of University of Pittsburgh representation um, in, in the Super Bowl, um, you know, as well, a lot of political ads during the Super Bowl, one that's getting a lot of, of attention. I know we have Stephen Caruso from the uh, PA Capital Star is gonna be joining us in a couple minutes, um, who's gonna give us a quick update, but in, right bef before we bring uh, Stephen on, Miracle, uh, you know, what are some highlights, you know, of the past few days or things we need to be paying attention to. Um, yes. So, you know, start off, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, congratulations, you know, to Aaron um, and his family, you know, a local hometown hero for winning the Super Bowl. Um, and also today is Valentine's Day. So again, you know, happy love day to everyone who celebrates. But it's been a very hectic week. We know this uh, week is the start of a, a repeal of some of the mask mandates uh, across the country, even though we're still in um, another COVID surge. So again, COVID-19 is still impacting everyone. We know a lot of people's hearts and, and prayers and thoughts are going on with the situation in Canada with the um, Freedom Convoy, which is essentially uh, a lot of truckers have laid siege to a town and they're preventing um, thoroughfare, they're preventing trade at the you know can, uh, Canadian um, American border. Um, to protest mass mandates and, and vaccine mandates. So that is um, an ongoing situation. People fear that that may turn violent, um, even more violent in the next few days, all while this week is um, International Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's um, Observation, where Indigenous women, particularly around the Canadian uh, North American border, are, 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 are organizing and talking about the thousands of missing Indigenous women who have been uh, murdered, uh, disappeared um, in that area. So it's a very tense situation. On you know, top of that, there is still the ongoing inflation that is being caused in part to this uh, trucker convoy, um, as well as to the fact that a lot of corporations are not uh, paying people. Uh, they're increasing prices, uh, taking um, a little bit advantage of the COVID-19 situation. So there is a lot of stuff happening on top of that. Uh, there are still full-on election season going right here in Pennsylvania. It stalled a little bit, and we'll get uh, more into that. Um, but around the country, there is, you know, election season is moving. People are wait, ready to go for these primaries and these special elections. The race for Senate is still on. Manchin came out today, said if there is a um, another Supreme Court opening, and if it's too close to the next election, he will not um, vote for a Supreme Court nominee. 
And so there is just a lot of pressure ongoing right now, um, federally, um, Commonwealth-wide, and locally about elections. And again, um, today, also a congratulations to Maria. Um, the Ghani administration announced a new press secretary. Again, they're slowly building their team um, and, and trying to make it as reflective as Pittsburgh as possible. And she is the first trans woman, as well as the highest ranking uh, Latina in Pittsburgh um, and for official capacity as press secretary. So congratulations to Maria. And that's just a little bit of the rundown. Back to you, Kahari. Thanks, Miracle. And we'll have a, a few other updates about uh, the special elections uh, later in, in the program. But right now, we're going to get a special uh, report uh, from Harrisburg from Stephen uh, Caruso. Uh, we're going to get a quick uh, update from him, and then we're going to bring the rest of our panel in at 720. But I uh, welcome uh, Stephen uh, Caruso from the Pennsylvania Capital Star. Yeah, yeah. And thanks for uh, for joining us um, in short order. And, um, you know, I know we don't have have you for, for too long. So let's jump right into it. So what is going on in Harrisburg right now? We have uh, legal challenges. You know, we have uh, legislative uh, maneuvering. Um, we have, you know, what, what you predicted to be um, you know, the most expensive, you know, political cycle in the history of the state, you know, really beginning in earnest. So what um, should folks need to know about what's happening in our five state capital? Um, I would say the main thing is pay attention to the state Supreme Court. So, you know, right now, uh, the maps, the maps for Congress, the maps for the state legislature, neither of those are settled. Um, the petitions timeline, the timeline for candidates actually get on the ballot, that's not settled. And uh, the mail-in voting law uh, was, is not settled. A court came, a lower court came and struck that, that down uh, a couple weeks ago. All of this is going to be settled by the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court. So like, if you're feeling a lot of uncertainty right now, it's because, yeah, everything's uncertain. Uh, you know, I wish I had certainty to offer, um, but alas, a lot of it's just waiting for judges uh, the seven judges on the state Supreme Court to make decisions. You know, uh, we don't have congressional maps because the governor and the Republican administration, uh, the Republican General Assembly couldn't agree. Um, so the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is going to be picking a map uh, probably in the next couple of days, a week or so. Um, and the state house map. So this is like your state representative, you know, um, they uh, they're drawn, but there's going to be legal challenges filed to them in the next couple of weeks. And so without maps, people don't know where to run. So that's why the state Supreme Court last week issued an order saying that, like, basically until these maps are settled, no one can get on the ballot. You can't go around collecting signatures from people. Um, and that will be settled pending whenever all of the these map issues, all these district issues are settled. And I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know exactly how long it'll take, but I feel, I mean, I feel comfortable saying we're probably in the week's timeline at this point, you know, um, we're going to see the, the Supreme Court hear arguments on the congressional map on Friday, you know, they'll need some time to make a decision, but people can file challenges against those state legislative maps until, uh, in, until early March. Um, so, you know, that'll take then another couple of weeks to settle those challenges. So all I have is uncertainty. I'm going to say supply chain issues are the problem, but you know, uncertainty. 
And so uh, we talked about some of the the petitions going on. What are some of the arguments that uh, people are breaking about uh, these maps? I know it's a diverse array, but what are some what are some of the arguments that you're seeing? So a lot of it comes down to you know Pennsylvania is a state that is sort of 50-50, you know, a Democrat could win this state or a Republican could win this state. In the last six years, we've seen both sides win. Um, and the question is kind of like, should fair legislative maps, should a fair congressional map reflect that? Um, the problem is that like, you know, the state, like a lot of Democrats live in one place uh, and they're very densely compact in a few big cities and then there are like a lot of Republicans then who just live spread out. And that makes it kind of easier for Republic. You can easily draw a bunch of places where Republicans win and then not a lot of places where Democrats win and just say, oh, I'm trying to draw a nice compact map with lots of nice little square districts or, you know, whatever this shape would be. And that means that it's, it's, uh, if you want to draw maps that make it, uh, easier for a fair divide of the state it, you might have to you know and, and this is the kind of debate is like are you unfairly drawing maps if you make them so that democrats win an even amount uh and you know one side says no uh one side says yes uh it's a very complicated debate that requires uh, that I, I mean i follow the debate and my job is to cover this and i kind of my eyes glaze over some of the statistics they use but uh you know that's i think a lot of it what it comes down to is like should Pennsylvania's districts reflect the fact that this is really this is a toss-up every year Pennsylvania is a bit of a toss-up politically thanks so much uh Stephen could you and could you dive a, a little a little bit into the the challenge to um to act 77 yeah so like that that's Pennsylvania's mail-in voting law it was approved back in 2019 it was actually a rare bit of everyone agreed on it Republicans passed it Tom Wolf signed it it seemed like bipartisanship, everyone was happy. Uh, and then Donald Trump lost in 2020 on the weight of a lot of mail-in ballots. Um, you know, the the uh, so these Republican state lawmakers, many of whom voted for the law, uh, actually filed a lawsuit to find that it was illegally passed, that it should have been done differently. It should have been a constitutional amendment that voters should have voted on it. Um, and their lawsuit succeeded. So... You know, the mail-in ballots that a lot of people are probably familiar with from the last couple of years, um, they were technically found to be, like, uh, unconstitutional. Now, before everyone, like, freaks out, like, there's a stay on this. So, basically, that decision, which was from the Commonwealth Court, which is, like, a lower court, was immediately appealed. And that means the effect can't take, like, it can't take effect immediately. So, uh, you know, I, I've still been talking to... Um, county election officials, for the most part, they are just sort of waiting to see what the state Supreme Court does. Nothing's really going to change. Uh, like, I think, you know, and, and most people expect that the state Supreme Court's going to say that was a bad decision, that that uh, decision saying the mail-in ballots are unconstitutional is wrong. But there's still maybe, you know, as as I, as I said, all I kind of have is uncertainty. Like, there's a chance it's upheld, I'm sure. You know, there's a chance of everything. Um, and, but in the meantime, pretty much like most, most of what I've heard from county election officials are just like, we are, it, it stayed, we're going to act like everyone keep requesting ballots 
and for the Supreme Court to tell us otherwise. Miracle, do you have a follow up? Yes, and as we <laughs> uh, get ready to let you go and enjoy the rest of your Valentine's Day, can you just talk a little bit about this latest filing that came down today that is basically arguing, it's probably a very rare occurrence, but um, since everything is up to chance right now, that is basically arguing we probably shouldn't have maps right now. Like, it, it, we, we just need to have uh, open elections. Can you just talk a little bit about that? I know people hate giving it a little, you know, breath, but I think it's, it, show, it goes to show how interesting politics could be. Yeah, so there's this very off, like, like it, it could happen. As I said, every, everything's a possibility with court. Um, there's actually this, like, obscure 1940s law that uh, says that if, and it's, like, very specific, it's, like, if your state loses a congressional district, like Pennsylvania did, we're going from 18 to 17, and there is no agreement on the maps, that because, like, you know, Pennsylvania can't send 18 people back to, to D.C. Uh, we just can't uh, under the way Congress works. So what's supposed to happen is just the 17 people who or to pick the 17 Congress people in Pennsylvania, they're just supposed to have one at large election. So like just like you vote for governor, like we would vote for 17 Congress people all at once on Election Day. Um I have no idea if this has been used before. Uh, I know Katie Meyer over at WHYY had a great story on it. I don't even know if she had an answer on it if it's been used. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's and a, a lawsuit was filed today asking for a federal court to say, that, like, that's actually what needs to happen here. Um, I, you know, like, like I said, Pennsylvania is kind of a swingy state. People have won it. Like, Republicans and Democrats have won it. I don't know if I necessarily see like just off the blush, anyone having a partisan advantage. The main thing I know is there's be, it would be chaos. I mean, imagine 17 people all wanting to get your vote uh, for Congress. So, you know, like, like I, I sometimes feel overwhelmed by like the mail I get just for like one competitive congressional race. Now imagine 17 all happening for, for your vote. Uh, it would be, it would be nuts. Uh, I, you know, I have no way to handicap that will happen yet or not. I know uh, I'm sure the, state supreme court is doing their due diligence to get the so they don't get overruled but uh you know it, it is another option just which is why i said like I, I i know myself and other reporters are like you know i have twitter alerts on for every time the state supreme court drops a decision because i'm checking it like okay is this is this it and it, it usually isn't but as soon as there's any news on this front we'll be we'll be trying to get it out as quick as possible right now i have the offer is uncertainty <laughs> And as we let you go, is there any dates that we need to be looking forward to the Supreme Court decision? I believe the hearing may be on the 18th. Yeah, so there will be uh, this Friday, uh, they will be hearing arguments in the uh, congressional case. So this is their case to decide what the congressional map should look like. But, you know, then give it a couple of days or more for them to write the decision. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, these courts are... You know, they, they really march to the beat of their own drum. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Stephen Caruso from the PA Capital Star, joining us to give us a special report from Harrisburg. Uh, enjoy your, your Valentine's Day, and thank you so much for uh, carving out a little bit of time for us tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And also want, want to give a shout out to um, our ASL interpreters for the evening, Kat and Cameron. Thank you so much for uh, all the excellent work you do. 
wanted to give you a shout out. So, um, so now that's a quick update from all of the wrangling going on in Harrisburg, and really not all of them, um, um, just some some of them. Um, and we're really excited uh, for the folks who are going to be joining us. Um, you know, for the rest of the evening, we have Marin Formally from from Veeam uh, doing incredible work in Pittsburgh. We also have uh, JJ Abbott. Uh, former press secretary uh, for, for Governor Wolf, current executive director uh, at Commonwealth Communications, as well as Kadita Kenner from the uh, new uh, Pennsylvania project. So right before we bring them on, uh, Miracle, you tell us a little bit about uh, what our wonderful guests will be talking about tonight. Uh, yes, first we'll have Marin joining us to talk a little bit about the, what you're supposed to do when you're signing a, a ballot. We don't know when that is going to uh uh, happen, but some of the things that are going on here in Pittsburgh. We know we have a special election. We know that there was an interesting committee uh, meeting for the nomination process that literally came down to a name out of a bucket. So there's a lot of cool things like happening here in Pittsburgh that we wanted to highlight and talk about and make sure people again are educated and informed to go to vote. You know, there's a lot of stuff happening with the with the uh, election as when it comes to the maps. So we have uh, Kadita again to talk about what we need to be like advocating for and paying attention to not only with the maps, but also with some of these uh, legislations that are being introduced in committee because the longer the, these court processes are delayed, the more bills that actually get introduced um, at the legislature can impact the election. And of course, you know, uh, JJ Abbott's coming on to talk about the communication issues in Harris, what we know from Harrisburg, how that impacts our election and how that should be motivating us to get out to, and uh, vote and organize um, and make sure that democracy is representative of all of us. So that is what we have coming up for, for from our guests. We'd like to welcome uh, Mayor Formally from Veeam. Welcome. Good evening. Great, great. Thank How you is so, everybody? so much uh, for, for joining us. So great uh, to have you on. And thank you so much uh, for, for the work that you're doing. And uh, for the first question, I, I'll pass it back to my colleague, Miracle. Um, so I know, we know we talked a little bit earlier about there's a stay on the election. Um, so he, this is going to, originally people were supposed to be tomorrow um, collecting signatures uh, uh, for ballots. But um, a part of the work that you do with Veeam is educating uh, voters about all of the processes and steps that go into um, voting. So can you just talk a little bit about the rules and regulations that when it comes to um, signing uh, candidates' ballots, what people, I mean, petitions, I'm sorry, what people need to know um, before they go and start signing petitions? Absolutely. Um, Miracle and thanks, uh, Kahari, Miracle and everybody at One Hood for having me on tonight. Uh, one of the things that's, uh, you know, also interesting about today, obviously, is the last day, but for the people who wanted to get their petition signed for the special election on April 5th, today was the deadline. So hopefully everybody who wanted to get on got on and objections start tomorrow for our special election. And that is kind of safe from all these shenanigans that are going on with the primary. So that is expected to go forward from what I understand, but it's everything after that, you know, who knows what's going to be happening. Um, it's really important uh, with these petitions, 
one of the things I think uh, there's so much with the finance and the campaign, and there's there's a lot of things to think about. But one of the important things to remember that for us as individuals, when we are signing someone's petition to try to get them on the ballot, you need to write your entire name, your entire address, spell it all the way out. No PGH. You got to write out Pittsburgh, um, all of those things, because there's so many challenges. There's so many ways that people can step in to challenge ballots. And a lot of it has to do with, and especially for the primary, are you are you a part of that party um, in some aspects for some elections? And then as well as, are you in that person's district? Do you have, you know, and then as well as, and again, it depends on if it's the county, the state, the whatever the thing might be. And then also making sure that you are filling it out appropriately which is difficult. So yeah, those are those are the things that we try to remind people. And, and what are the generally the the, the main problems um, that the candidates who 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 run into challenges like you said the challenge period begins and for and for those listening there after petitions get turned in then there is a period of time that the other candidates or even citizens registered voters can challenge someone's petition. So you talk a little bit about that process and why people's either legitimately or sometimes people say illegitimately challenge people's petitions. Yeah, I think that, um, I think it depends on, you know, some of the things that are kind of a part of our culture here um, with the, especially at least from the Allegheny side, and I'm sure that the same thing happens across the state, that there are just these strongholds that different parties might have. And so there, and, and, and especially at the primary when there's like, you know, the incumbent or the one, the favorite for the, for the seat. And then there's all these potential things you can do to keep people off of the ballot. I think about uh, one of the very interesting contests we were watching last election, um, last election season was the uh, mayor in Wilkinsburg. And there was a whole lot of, uh, you know, excuse me, <laughs> sorry for the background noise. Um, there is uh, something for us, you know, to make sure we were watching that election in Wilkinsburg because it was, you know, to a smaller, a smaller jurisdiction of voters and a petitions being signed for either side. And so what happened at least there was a lot of stories about what did happen but there's a certain date that the petition had to be turned in by the in terms of who could actually be on the ballot all of those things you know were going on and happening all at the same time and so we just have to be very careful um when we are trying to support somebody or even if we're not supporting them do we do we want them to be on the ballot is that important to us for people to have choices and, you know, because people will come in to your door knocking, excuse me, will you sign my petition? And I always go, excuse me, what, well, what do they stand for? And that, I think, is something we also have to be very careful about because certain, um, the people who are asking for the petitions aren't always knowledgeable about the campaign and what the people might be standing for. So it's a really, really important thing to stand and be um, knowledgeable about. 
And then you mentioned it earlier for people who are doing um, petitions for specific uh, positions that require a party affiliation. Can you talk about what that means? And especially when it comes to our third, our third party and independent party voters, because that is always an issue. And then he also, if, if I like everybody who's running, can I sign everybody's petition? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. And one of the things that, you know, one that we brought up when we were looking at this really a lot last year is the fact that these this level of information needs to be more available to everyday people broken down into lay language so that we all understand it because you have to go and look through government language on the Department of State website. You have to be able to read down and figure out what's going on and it's just not something that's really widely known. Um, and so the, the third parties, uh, they can start circulating pretty soon, but as we're all aware, uh, they can't actually get on the ballot until November. And so, uh, but the circulation time does open up as I'm looking through this little checklist because it is it is a lot of information to understand. Uh, so, um, and in, in terms of who can be on the petition, that's not something I know off the top of my head, but I'd love to come back and talk about that at a different time because you cannot easily find it. If you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who did someone's campaign, those are usually the folks that know how to do it. But that's also, you know, part of the problem when with trying to make sure that this process is open to everyday people who should be in these offices. It shouldn't have to be a who you know and who you're able to hire. It should be something that we can all easily access. And and I think there's an, and I, those are all like really excellent points. And I, and, and one thing I, I want to remind folks that, you know, while there's so many, you know, very high profile offices up for election, you know, this spring, you know, also, you know, just the once in a four year cycle, uh, where folks can run uh, for their democratic, um, you know, committee, you know, offices um, where, you know, I think, I think you need 10 signatures uh, to run uh, for committee from, from your neighbors. But you, could you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the committee and for folks who, um, you know, maybe thinking about running for something, you know, and want to start small, you, there's still opportunity, you know, once the Supreme court determines when, the primary election will be held, you could circulate a petition uh, for committee man or committee woman, you know, in your local area. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I love um, that as a as a as an option for people, uh, because in the back in the day, and I feel like there's there's some um, work to try to make sure to kind of bring this spirit back. But back in the day, the committee people used to really be boots on the ground, uh, going around organizing their neighbors um, that are that were a part of their party to be ready for the election. And, you know, obviously with COVID that that a lot of that stopped. But even before that, I think we lost some of that that neighborhood feel. And I think it just kind of happened with, you know, how things have gone as, you know, technology has increased. We have um, we stopped depending on, you know, 
talking to each other. And instead, we're waiting for people to go to the internet or go to social media to find out. And so um, I think that is a great opportunity to do to 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 run for committee person to and to be the person that's in your ward that's able to help people out. And I, I like what you said about the, um, you know, that it only requires you know, 10 signatures and that's, you know, you could go down the street and um, again, you know, it's just because someone signs your petition, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to, you have to vote for them, right? Because your vote is by secret, but you do believe that they should be on the ballot. So, and, but also recognize though, that your name could show up on, your name's on the paperwork and therefore it's a part of the public record. So if you wanted to support somebody, you didn't want anybody to know you support them, might not be the time to sign their petition. I think it's always interesting. People always remember everything. We talk about transparency. Um, some things are put into public record. It verifies, you know, when we talk about election integrity, that people are putting forth candidates from their jurisdictions or neighborhoods um, uh, to represent them. And, and as we wrap up, You've been doing a lot of work with just like voter engagement, registering to voters, and you talk a lot about you know some of the barriers that um, impact people when it comes to voting. Um, as we're moving into this, what is going to be um, unprecedented, multi-million, possibly billion, you know, dollar election? Can you still talk about for our audience some of the issues that people are still facing? when it comes to getting information about voting and being able to vote. Absolutely, Miracle. And that's um, why a lot of this is like completely frightening um, to people in this in this realm. Um, the fact that mail-in ballots, that that was something, you know, the community has also been organizing for because we think about how many people just don't have the time literally to get to the polls because, you know, they live in McKeesport and they work in Warrendale. Like there's no way you can get back and forth. So mail-in ballots really was something that our communities could use as their own tool to prevent that barrier of having to be there in person and to not have to get pre-excused for it. Um, so the fact that, you know, it's being challenged is scary, right? Um, the other part in regards to, you know, how our, our voting rights are right here um, and being challenged with this redistricting, you know, and we're, everybody's taking a look at the maps and trying to see, you know, what is, let's say, for example, um, you know, District 24, is Morningside in there? Is East Liberty is shady to, like what where can all those maps and then what are the demographics as the city of Pittsburgh loses more and more you know uh black indigenous people of color and voters that live there what do these new lines look at what do they look like who is going to be representative for so long you know we have history in especially for the special election we have history in districts 19 and 24 that goes back decades of you know, black electeds. So what does it mean that it might potentially turn just because, you know, in, in the future of with these potentially redrawn maps after the special election, the folks who are running right now, the people who were chosen, uh, you know, uh, by their parties to be a part of the special election and those who are still running for the seat, they don't even know how long their term 
really because of the redistricting, it might it might all be for you know a short term or the or the election itself, their district might change. And so what they ran for might have been, you know, these neighborhoods and then it gets redistricted. Now they have to campaign to completely different people. There's there's a lot there's a lot at stake here. And so what we're trying to do is just make sure that people have as much information as possible. Information is power. I'm really, really concerned that the special election information has is not really out there. I think people know folks are running for these seats, but I don't know if they realize that we, we if you live in, you know, uh, Wilkinsburg and, you know, a handful of Pittsburgh wards, you know, kind of, you know, north side versus the hill or whatever, y'all are going to have to come out on April 5th and then turn around and come back on the primary to do the rest of it. Right. Like, I don't think people really understand that. And it, it's it's worrisome. And I mean, I got my early ballot application, mail in ballot application super early because I'm, I'm I live in Manchester. And so this special election affects me. But I didn't get something that said, hey, you're, you have a special election on April 5th. I just got a ballot application because the state knows I'm going to be voting soon, sooner than I normally would. Right. So those are the type of things that just you know, really concern us, but it's also why we think it's really important for people to do what you can to talk to your neighbors, to bring it up, to make sure that everybody is as ready as they possibly can be. Well, thank you so much, Loren, formerly from Veeam, uh, joining us, giving us a lot of very important um, information about voters, and we definitely want to bring you back on once we determine when this primary is, is going to be, and, and once we kind of determine what are the rules of the primary as well, what's constitutional, what's constitutional. But until then, thank you so much, and thank you for all the work you do uh, in the in the Pittsburgh area. We look forward to seeing you on the trail. Thank you. And guys. again, that's Marin, formerly of Veeam Pittsburgh, um, joining us, uh, giving us a quick background on some of the kind of nuts and bolts technical stuff uh, that a lot of people sometimes aren't aware of. So now going from the local landscape uh, back to the statewide landscape, uh, we're going to bring on two experts who uh, um, not only have a, uh, their finger on the pulse on the ground, you know, they also have a very clear 30,000 foot view of everything that that's going on. So we're really excited to bring back a uh, Kadita Kenner from the new Pennsylvania project and JJ Abbott from Commonwealth uh, Communications um, to close out um, tonight's discussion about um, everything, um, you know, that, that's going on. Um, I want to start uh, with, with, with you, JJ, um, deference to the University of Pittsburgh, uh, you know, you being a very proud pit man, a distinguished uh, alum um, in your own right, you know, uh, after the day after Super Bowl where we had you know, Tyler Boyd and Aaron Donald representing. I do want to shout out Tyler Boyd because he somewhat has gotten lost in the fanfare about Aaron Donald. But, you know, um, you know, Tyler Boyd representing for Claritin, um, you know, as well. But, um, you know, and, 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 you know, we, you know, joined a weekly call that, that you convened, you know, and, and um, you know, you, you know, have said that, you know, particularly from a legislative standpoint, even maybe from a tenor standpoint, that, you know, in the past, you know, there were certain kind of legislative maneuver, maneuvers, whether it was around abortion, you know, whether it was around voting rights and things like that. It was more political gamesmanship, not necessarily, 
you know, trying to get to a goal, but more so to maybe, um, you know, rev up a base or to get, you know, you know, some sort of limelight, you know, in the media. But but recently you've taken, you know, a more foreboding tone um, as far as, you know, the tenor in Harrisburg and, and some of the legislation that's come down, that there's a, a more, you know, uh, more of a, a mean spiritedness, so to speak. Um, can you talk a little just about that? you know, and what makes you feel like there's been such kind of a change, you know, um, in a kind of, uh, you know, um, the spirit of, 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 of some of, of this legislation that may in the past just been gamesmanship. Yeah, I think, I think there's two changes that are to Harrisburg. You know, I've been sort of obsessively watching the Capitol for almost 10 years. And, you know, I, I think the two things I think have really escalated are one, the, the sort of insurgent, you know, far right Republicans have really become the majority of the Republican caucuses. And, you know, you had for a long time in Pennsylvania, a lot of suburban Republicans from particularly from the Philadelphia area, but also from, you know, from Allegheny, from outside, in outside outer, outer Allegheny County um, and even, you know, all over sort of metropolitan areas. That that while they were conservative on some social issues, they, uh, you know, they and and, pro, and were low tax conservatives. You know, they they had a general sense of like my job is to bring resources back to my constituents, and that requires working with the whole of the government to get things done. And right now, what you have is a lot of you know the Republican Party who has controlled the legislature for. I'll call, I call it a generation, right? Essentially 25 years, a couple of years they didn't, but uh, for the, the vast majority, you know, th that, that party has evolved into a, a largely rural, uh, including its leadership, uh, and a much more um, uh, uh, conservative and, you know, uh, sort of extreme in terms of the positions that uh, the majority of the, that caucus has taken. And the problem with that is, is that the, the Republican caucuses have operated in Harrisburg with a, uh, an unspoken rule in the public sense, but a very uh, serious one in the, the inner workings of legislature, which is the majority of the majority rule, which is that the Republican caucuses will not advance a bill uh, unless the majority of its members uh, uh, support it. And so uh, what that does is it's, it's it basically puts, um, you know, the entire legislative agenda uh, at the whim of the most conservative and uh, extreme and, and frankly, protected. Uh, you know, these are people from deep red districts who really will not lose or they, that's why they, they are extreme is so they can continue to win primaries. Uh, and so, you know, it's created this dichotomy. And so the two things that really significantly changes that is that, uh, you know, the, the, the politicians have gotten more extreme. And now what we're seeing is that it's sort of like it's sort of like there's no there's no even attempt to legislate where they're now and uh, shifting to a strategy of governing by constitutional amendments. So not only do you have more extreme policy, you know, you see rather than focusing on delivering infrastructure and uh, school funding and, uh, you know, other things to their districts, they're now focused on sort of checking boxes for Republican primary voters. So you have bills about banning books about the civil rights movement. You have uh, bills about uh, women's health, women's, uh, women's health care. You have bills targeting uh, like work requirements for basic uh, social services. And so, 
uh, you have this ideological drop, uh, uh, center there that now that, for, you know, going from those bills, to these constitutional amendments where uh, it's, there's not even an attempt to, to find consensus. They're not even, they're not even attempting to get uh, uh, agreement from their colleagues, let alone the governor. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they're trying now, they're, they're, they're fast tracking uh, dozens of these. Spotlight PA has accounted for over 70 um, that are, uh, have been submitted and they're on the most extreme things that would, uh, that should never even be in a constitution, let alone, I mean, they should never be in law, let alone the constitution. And so we've seen this, you know, this shift uh, 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 ideologically uh, and, and, and in terms of their just complete disregard for bipartisanship or really, uh, I mean, even right now, I mean, there's not even that much bicameral uh, uh, collaboration, you know, it's just, they just sort of throw things back at each other and eventually they pick a bunch of right-wing stuff that they want to pass to look like they did stuff. And that's what, you know, accounts for legislating. So, you know, Kadita has, has, has sort of dug even deeper into a lot of these constitutional amendments, but, you know, it's more, when you look at the bigger strategy that they're employing, they're not interested in legislating. And what they really want is they want all the power and none of the responsibility. And so, uh, you know, we, it just created a really uh, unfortunate dynamic where things aren't getting done. Uh, and there's just all of this like chaos and division about these culture war issues and whatever else Fox News is talking about, rather than, you know, the blocking and tacking of legislating to actually deliver and solve problems uh, in their districts. Miracle, you have a follow up? Uh, yes. Yeah, so coming to you, Kadita, you know, JJ has laid, laid this like really a great framework about some of the issues that are impacting Pennsylvania. Um, you, you know, gave really great eloquent testimony about why the maps need to be reflected of the changing demographics in Pennsylvania and why um, competitive, you know, elections are better for democracy. What are you seeing on the ground? What are people telling you? And as again, you're moving through this like wave of uncertainty right now, how are you able to like keep people um, energized about this election right now? Thank you, Miracle. Hey, happy Black History Month to everybody. We, we talk about wanting a representative democracy. Yeah, how do we keep everyone energized about what's going on? You know, here's the thing. We wanna know what's happening on the ground. What's happening on the ground right now is that this issue we're discussing is not even in the top five of what's on people's minds, right? Right now, when we're talking to folks at the doors, they're more concerned about how they're gonna put food on the table, how they're gonna clothe their children. Um, are they gonna have health care? Are they going to have um, childcare so they can get to work in the midst of a global pandemic? So these other issues, this is for us wonky folks who are really paying attention to what's happening in Harrisburg and surrounding. And yes, in order to keep folks energized, I think first, Number one, you have to educate them on the topic and make sure they're even aware of what is happening. So first, I want to give a, I want to give a shout out and kudos uh, to the LRC Commission, the Legislative Reapportionment Commission. Um, Chairman Nordenberg and his team, his staff did an outstanding job. I congratulate the chairs um, of that commission um, who held probably the most transparent hearings in recent history in Pennsylvania. So what comes out of that hearing is that the maps as if, as if they should be drawn here, the, the maps in which they voted on, the almost unanimous decision, with the exception of Kerry Benninghoff, Representative Kerry Benninghoff, is that these maps will be more representative of the demographics of the Commonwealth. Were they absolutely perfect? No. Are they much better than they've been for decades? Yes. 
will we have a more representative democracy of these maps are to become the, the district maps? Yes, we will in the Commonwealth. Um, so I want to first, you know, mention that, that we have, uh, we had a transparent process um, that actually, actually worked, right? It's going to ensure that those of us who live um, in the colder counties of Philadelphia and others are going to have a more fair and representative democracy. The areas are compact. They keep up with all of the measures that we've asked of them um, for a legislative map. So how do we keep people engaged or interested in this topic or abreast of what's happening? I think, you know, we just need to make sure that we're staying in contact with our elected officials. Let them know you're still paying attention to what's happening because this isn't over, right? Um, at this moment, we still have potential um, lawsuits, litigation for these maps. We still have Carrie Bennenhoff and others who have their own maps that they've been um, promoting, um, what they'd like to see as, um, as districts for us here in the Commonwealth. So I think it's not over. And I think that if you're someone who is interested in this topic and you care about having fair representation, in our state government, then reach out to your elected officials. Let them know you're still paying attention. Reach out to the chair. Uh, reach out to um, reach out to Carrie Bettinghoff in Center County. A lot of I see JJ's got the pit hat on today, but there's lots of folks perhaps that went to Penn State. Reach out to your previous representative, Carrie Bettinghoff, and let them know how you feel about wanting to be fairly represented in government. The fact that we have a state legislature that is 90% white and a Commonwealth that is more than 25% people of color. It's very telling about where we stand here in the Commonwealth at this moment. Hey, thank you so so much uh, for that that breakdown. I, I just had a quick um, follow up first, Kadita. Uh, you know, then uh, you know, JJ. Um, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, like you said, you know, you know, for the average person, you know, they're dealing with so many, you know, different things. But, but can you just break down a little bit? how, you know, redistricting actually does have an impact on a daily life, you know, that kind of trickle of events, you know, um, from, you know, a unfair map drawn in 2010 to impacts that are people feeling today in the state of Pennsylvania, you know, uh, could you just talk a little bit about, you know, how decisions, um, you know, and how state capitals and governments and policies are shaped through the redistricting process? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Kahari, because, you know, we do have to connect dots for folks um, to make it real. And so I provided this testimony at the LRC hearing. You know, we want a representative democracy. We want to have folks who are representing us who value what we value. And if I'm someone who lives, um, as I do, in suburban uh, Philadelphia, I'm in Chester County, I'm going to want someone representing me who understands what it is that my life is like is to live in this uh, commonwealth as a black woman. The fact that I can face discrimination for various things. I want a legislator who knows how important it is for me to wear my hair the way it naturally grows out of my scalp. And I want for someone who's representing me to ensure that there are no laws on the books that are discriminated against me and the way I choose to wear my hair. I think it's also really important that we have representatives in our state legislature who care about all their constituents, um, those who can vote for them and those who cannot vote for them, the young, the old, the immigrants, et cetera. Um, it's very important that we have state legislators who can speak the language of the people who are coming into their offices because we know that state representatives, state senators don't just represent their voters. They're supposed to represent everyone who lives in their district, citizen or not. 
And so if I'm someone who English isn't my first language and I have a concern about my heating bill or I have a concern about needing PPP funding, I need to make sure that the person representing me has the wherewithal to actually put someone in the office who can speak my language if that person's not going to be someone who can speak my language so that they can represent me. You know, lots of times people, they go into their state legislator's office needing the simplest things. Maybe they need help getting their passport expedited. Maybe they need a pothole filled in the front of their uh, neighborhood. You know, maybe there is some issues that are relative to them in the community they live, environmental justice issues, um, particularly if they live in a law, you know, an area where they're doing drilling, right? So there's lots of different reasons that people seek the help of their state legislators. And to have these maps drawn in a way that is representative of the people is super important so that we all feel as though we are being represented. We talk about having a, re a representative democracy or a reflective democracy. We want it to reflect the people. We want it to be representative of the people. And so we need to make sure that the maps are drawn that way. What happens and what, what can happen if a map is poorly drawn is that you can take the power away from communities of color and stick it into more wider communities, which then will give that community power. And so we need to make sure that the maps that we have to uh, cast our ballots on this upcoming election are maps that are truly representative of the people and the changing demographics of Pennsylvania. The most growing population are those communities of color, and we must be represented in order to feel as though we are part of this political process and to have our needs met. I agree. I definitely agree with Kadita on that. And I, and I think the one the one other thing that I, to sort of connecting it back to what Kadita uh, said first is I think one of what well, we have to look at what we have now, right, is we have some of the most gerrymandered representation in the country. And uh, it's not just because of one decade, but it's really because of three. Uh, and so the Supreme Court, uh, you know, uh, actually drew legislative districts after complete chaos in the early 70s. But uh, following that, you have seen just a, a worsening and worsening uh, use of um, gerrymandering through the Republicans controlling the redistricting process for 30 years. And so what happened this time, for the first time, uh, the Supreme Court picked someone who actually called balls and strikes uh, and would actually acknowledge the reality of what was happening in Pennsylvania in this moment. Uh, with a pretty clear lens. And that was Mark Nordenberg, former Pitt Chancellor and, um, you know, uh, who served as chairman of the LRC. And one of the things I think is really important about that is because Republicans have controlled for so long, they've really manipulated our metropolitan areas um, for their gain. And so what that did is it diminished the voices of uh, not only urban uh residents, but also suburban ones, because you look at these uh, these cities, right, whether it's Philadelphia or our smaller cities or going out to Pittsburgh, and you look at the house map in particular, which is the people's house, right? It's the most should be the most representative of of the two chambers. And they create these things that look almost are like fans, right, where they take small pieces of the metropolitan area and then they connect it with rural areas to give Republicans the biggest advantages in the most districts. And what that's done is just taken the issues that are most acute to those areas off the agenda. And so when you go down the doors and you talk to someone, whether they're Kadita's talking to them in Coatesville or whether One Hood's talking to them in Pittsburgh or the Mon Valley, and you ask them what's most important to them, it's the it's exactly what Kadita said. It's like, how am I going to pay for childcare? Is my kid 
going to be safe where we live? Uh, it, am I going to be able to make enough money to make ends meet at the two or three jobs that I might have? And so on and so forth. But those aren't the issues that the legislature has been tackling. And it, it's not, they're not, those issues aren't even on the radar. Uh, and that's because they don't represent the people who are most acutely feeling issues like poverty and systemic uh, racism and uh, all of the things that plague not just urban residents, but also our, uh, you know, our suburban residents and in places like Johnstown and uh, Meadville and Beaver Falls, you know, these, these smaller metropolitan areas that aren't getting the help that they need. And so we have had for decades a worse and worse problem that we're seeing all the growth in communities of color, all of the growth in these metropolitan areas. But resources continue to be driven out uh, disproportionately from the state budget to rural areas. The issues, you know, the number one thing that's talked about in the legislature from an economic perspective is farming. But the biggest the biggest issue, the biggest industries in this the, of, of where people actually work are service industry and healthcare, And those aren't even the issues that they're talking about. And so reimportionment is so important and the, and the changes that we saw this year are so important because it's giving power back and to the people who haven't been represented or have been declining representation for 30 years and that's our major that's our major metropolitan areas and our small metropolitan areas whose issues and the, the issues that are impacting their people aren't even in the discussion of the majority that's had control for for a generation and so you know that is the opportunity now and so you know we don't know what's going to happen the elections are still run at each individual district. And, you know, I don't think I think given the environment this year, I think there's a lot of skepticism. But there is a chance because you see what happens. Tom Wolf wins by 17 points in the gubernatorial race in 2018 and Republicans still retain a majority. That doesn't make like any sense, you know, in in any political world and let in, in from a political science perspective, unless the districts have such a disadvantage that it just doesn't matter. And so, uh, you know, these new maps, particularly the House, the most representative of there are a real opportunity to restore that. And you're going to see that right away, not even have to wait till November necessarily, because you're going to have you actually have seats that are open. Um, I shouldn't say, you know, there, there are going to be seats that are open in urban areas that don't have representatives. Uh, and that's going to create a, a very, very unique opportunity to elect new, more representative voices uh, to the legislature uh, that we really haven't seen in places like Harrisburg and Allentown. And so uh, it's really exciting, you know, for to have the opportunity and in Lancaster, you know, to have that opportunity too, where some of these metropolitan areas, uh, ha which haven't had representation or have had the, the most limited representation possible to actually have a shot at having their voices heard uh, in a proportional way. Uh, in the legislature. And I think that's I think that should be really motivating for people to want to get out and vote this year, because, uh, you know, at the legislative level, we're going to have a, an actual opportunity, although it's going to be a really, really hard climb uh, on that mountain this year. Thank you for that. Corey? Yeah, I wanted to um, just switch gears a little bit, uh, you know, from, from policy uh, back back to politics in, in the last few minutes that we, that we have you. And just thank you so much again for hanging out with us late uh, on Valentine's Day. Um, so um, last night, you know, you know, watching the Super Bowl, you know, and even today, you know, the day after, you know, I, I'm just floored by you know, the number of television ads 
you know, um, that, that, that have been running. So in the midst of, of what we talked about, this judicial environment, this legislative environment, this redistricting environment that you framed, you know, all that alone, you know, would be crazy enough, you know, to have to deal with. So how are we going to deal with that? And, you know, um, you know, these super PACs, you know, that are running, you know, ads, you know, I'm saying negative ads, you know, the Republicans are, are just going at each other. Like it's three weeks before the election, you know, we're, you know, we're months out, like, you know, so what are some of the things that, that you're seeing, you know, from the political landscape without, you know, you know, endorsing candidates or getting into any of that kind of stuff, but just, you know, where does the current field stand, you know, a few months out with just so much going on, you know, in the policy world and the legislative world as well? Yes. I'll start, JJ, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'll start. Okay, number one, it's Valentine's uh, night. And so obviously you at One Hood didn't think I had any plans. And you were accurate because policy is my love language. So we're gonna we're going to, we're going to go from policy here to the politics of all this in this moment. And if we're talking about last night's performance and the big game, you know, there was one ad that caught my attention, and that was that ad that had the QR code floating all around the screen for like 20 seconds, right? And all I could think about in that moment when I saw that QR code, which I don't even know what it was for because I didn't scan it. I didn't put my phone towards it. All I could think about is I got one QR code right here that I wish I could have spent uh, $4 million on or $6 million on for a 30-second spot. This is the QR code to register to vote, right? Register to vote here in Pennsylvania. I wish I would have had $6.5 million for that 30-second spot. Okay, to get serious here. The landscape, we all know that this could be the first billion with a B dollar election in the Commonwealth. This isn't just some regular midterm election. This is going to be like presidential level politics, spending, et cetera, going on here in the Commonwealth. Um, you know, I live in the Philadelphia media market. I see the ads that are going back and forth uh, where both outsiders who don't even live in Pennsylvania are going at each other um, already. And we're only in February. This is a very long cycle ahead of us. Um, I think it's I think it's interesting to to watch that happen um, in real time. Um, we you know there's it's also very interesting to think that both political parties have not endorsed um, their parties have not endorsed candidates for the U.S. Senate. Um, either the Democrats or the Republicans have now, which leaves these fields wide open um, and it and enables people to choose the candidate of their choosing um, as we go you know to the polls. Uh, in May, and hopefully we're still going to do that on May seventeenth. So I think it's I think it's interesting times we live in. I know that the the ad buys, the media buys, that Dr. Oz and others have already spent so many millions of dollars on, um, is is fascinating. And this is going to be a very exciting. And if you're into this kind of stuff, this is going to be a very exciting election. And just hold on to your seats. I yeah I, I it's I I don't watch a lot of broadcast TV and I think uh, I'll be watching a lot less of it over the next few months. Um, and uh, a good hint is that if you if you stream anything online and you're not a registered Republican, they'll hopefully try to avoid you. Um, so uh, you know I think I think it's a little bit hard to to see where this plays out, particularly this the the Senate race on the Republican side, just given how absolutely bizarre it has been so far. Um, Kadita mentioned it. I mean, we have these two millionaires. We got the the Connecticut hedge fund manager and the New Jersey TV doctor. 
running against each other uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, you really don't have that you don't you're not they're not even really trying to make an argument that they want to represent Pennsylvania. Uh, and getting back to what we just talked about, there's no at all mention of the issues that are seemingly most important to the vast majority of people. I mean, you're you have a, 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 a hedge fund guy running an ad with Let's Go Brandon, which I think is like the most online thing ever to run on a Super Bowl ad that wasn't like a Doritos um, uh, ad. So, you know, it's, it's a very bizarre thing. And you got Dr. Oz out there uh, sort of, you know, pretending like he's giving like give, giving people uh, taking people's blood pressure. Uh, and so, I, you know, I just don't really understand what they're trying to do, but it's getting like a really kind of pathetic at this point how desperate they are to seem uh like they're the most maga in the field and that doesn't even get to the governor's race which is just sort of devolved into to a weird way uh like uh, trying to play at fox news du jour uh with you know whatever the 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 outrage of the day is and so you know i think i think one of the things is that you know republicans are spending a lot of money but they're still really not telling voters what they're for i mean where they're clearly against biden uh, and, you know, right now that may, you know, th that, that might be enough for their voters. But I think when you get to a general election, there are going to be a lot of questions about what they actually stand for. And the president, I think, has been outlining this a lot more and more, and he can, should continue to do it. But there's a pretty stark contrast between what the president's actually trying to deliver and what these set Republican Senate candidates are talking about. There's a pretty stark contrast when you look at what the budget out address that Tom Wolf laid out um, last week. And the kinds of things he's trying to do to solve these problems that are actually facing families and what the governor, the people that are running for the Republican nominee for governor are talking about. And at some, thing, some point, those two things are going to collide. And I think uh, Republicans have a bit of a reality check when they get into uh, a, a general election and they're not no longer just sort of playing to the lowest common denominator in a primary uh, that, you know, they, they're going to have to talk about what they actually stand for and you know, I think it's really incumbent on all of us that we know that these these folks are going to have as unlimited money. You know, you have the uh, millionaire celebrities that are and hedge fund managers that are running for Senate. And you, oh, and you have a, a billionaire that's promising to bankroll who, the Republican that runs for governor. And so it's it's all more important to bring it back to what we need to be doing is organizing. And, you know, that's why it's so important the work that One Hood does, that New Pennsylvania Project does, that organizations across the state are already doing, because we have to be talking directly to voters. And I think uh, all of this is the stakes of the election are really high. It's going to be incredibly weird and confusing for voters uh, if they're trying to absorb what's going on through these crazy TV ads that are going to be all over the place. So it's all that more important that we're, we're all focused on how we're having direct conversations with people about the stakes of the election and then, you know, getting to that conversation about who they're going to vote for. And but really right now, I think and this is why, you know, the work that Dita does is also important. They, they need to know what's at stake. And so uh, these ads certainly aren't going to tell them. So it's important that we're doing that work now um, to let people know how 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 high the stakes are for them personally. Uh, and then why it's so important that they make their voices heard um, both uh, in the primary in May, but also but most importantly, in the general in November. Miracle to you for the final question of the evening. Uh, yes, yeah, so for the final question, um, usually did in an end with you, Kadita. Um, as we moving to these elections, going back to we talked about the very beginning, 
what is your hopes for these maps and what do you hope um when november when all this is said and done what do you hope the takeaway is from all of this trauma that we're going through uh right now I think for me, the number one thing is that we run on new maps, right? I mean, I, I think from a legislative perspective, there's going to be a lot of litigation and trying people to trying to gum up the process um, to not run on new maps. And I think it would be a real, uh, you know, uh, disservice to voters if that didn't happen. So I think that's number one. I think in the whole election, I mean, I hope that uh, I, th I hope that we have a real debate about who is going to do what to actually solve these problems that people are facing. You know, I think it's unfortunate that the, the election seems to already be devolving into, uh, you know, particularly in the Republican side, into kind of a, a an argument about nothing um, when there's so much at stake and so many big, important issues um, that are going to be on the ballot. And so I think it's really important that we're all focused on forcing that conversation and, and holding people who are running for office accountable uh, to the, the problems that people are facing and whether or not they have a problem to solve it. So I hope I hope that's that's what we can have in this election is a is a real conversation about what Pennsylvania needs and what and what and who's gonna who's gonna actually fight uh, for those things. Right on, JJ. Uh, you know, for me, you know, I we went through a long process. It was a transparent process. It was one that was for the people. And we have maps that were voted on by the commission that we need to put into place for this upcoming election. We need to allow people who are running for office to have the time to get their petitions collected and do all the things they need to do to run good and clean campaigns. So I'm hoping you know, that these maps get approved and that we have candidates who can run on those maps as soon as possible. Um, you know, what I would love to see happen here at the end of, of 2022, what is the dream? The dream is that people were able to vote and cast ballots and be fairly represented in a representative democracy here in the Commonwealth, and that we put to bed all of these big lies about our free and fair elections here in the Commonwealth. You know, people ask all the time, well, what are, you know, what are your thoughts here about, you know, are we having free and fair elections or what's happening? We can't trust our elections. That's not what the average person in, in the Commonwealth is thinking. They know we've had free and fair elections. They know that when we get out there and cast our ballots, and, and we can still do that by voting by mail or at the polls, that we're going to have a free, fair, and accurate election. And so those who are trying to erode the public's confidence in our election and in our systems, they may be having a, a short, quick win in this moment, but they won't win in the end. Um, we're going to continue to mobilize and educate um, the constituency out here in the Commonwealth and make sure that they get to the polls not only just in May, but also in November and cast their ballots so that we can have a free and fair election and be represented by the people of our choosing, not by elected officials choosing us. And just to note, you know, there's all kinds of things that grassroots organizations and other established organizations can do, but we cannot out-organize voter suppression. You know, there's only but so much you can do. And so we're going to make sure we're continuing to fight for our voting rights here in the Commonwealth, and we will not allow anyone to suppress our votes and disenfranchise us um, as we move into the coming months. And I want to end on this note for, because I know this is a lot of Pittsburgh and surrounding watching us today, talk to the young folks. The young folks haven't fallen for the big lie. They know what's going on. What they care about are the same things that others are caring about. They care about housing and can they afford the rent? 
They care about the fact that their schools are not equally and fairly funded. They care about graduating from college, $70,000 in student loan debt. Let's talk to these young folks and get them to join the electorate. That's what I hope is the dream for 2022, is that all these young people who are eligible to vote but not registered join the electorate. Only one in four high school students who is eligible to vote is registered to vote. And I'll tell you one statistic to scare the folks here in the Pittsburgh area. McKeesport, less than 5% of high school seniors who are eligible to vote are registered to vote. 4.8% of McKeesport high school students who are eligible to vote are registered to vote. Let's talk to young folks. Let's get them engaged. And let's uh, have a free and fair election like we're known to do here, not only here in the Commonwealth, but across the country. Let's everybody get out there and cast your ballots. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Kadita Kenner from the new Pennsylvania Project, JJ Abbott from Commonwealth Communications. Uh, we always, always enjoy having you on. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of Valentine's Day night um, to join us to share some wisdom. Um, and we definitely will be in touch very soon. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot, you know, we'll talk to you on the Friday call as well, but I'm sure we'll have you back on very soon. Cause it seems like we're going to need your, uh, expertise to continue to suit, to, uh, to sort out, um, all this madness that it, that is happening, um, not only in Harrisburg, but around the state. So thank you again for joining us and both of you have a wonderful Valentine's night now that it is 8 15 PM Eastern time. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us again. That was Kadita Kenner uh, from the New Pennsylvania Project and JJ Abbott from Commonwealth um, Communications. And just a couple quick things that I did want to touch on that we couldn't touch on earlier because we wanted to make sure we we had some time with Stephen Caruso from the PA Capital Star. I want to thank him again. Also, Marin Formley from Veeam for joining us tonight as well. But um, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, on our last show, we mentioned that uh, Martel Covington was received the Democratic nomination in the 24th district. And last Thursday, Arion Abney um, won, um, you know, what the be the sports equivalent of triple overtime. Um, it was a 55-55 tie um, after uh, the first round of ballots. Um, the way these elections are held, there's no kind of multiple rounds of ballots where people can kind of negotiate the elections, the election, it ended on a 55-55 tie. Uh, the uh, bylaws necessitate either a, a coin flip or a drawing of lots. They uh, declined doing a coin flip, went to a drawing of lots, and Arion Abney was the, was the, was um, uh, declared the winner uh, of the Democratic nomination. Um, it appears that he'll move forward as a Democratic nominee. Um, a, as Martel Covington, um, we are still trying to work out um, you know, who all is going to continue in the special election. It does appear that some candidates um, um, are in the decision period. I guess today is the deadline. Um, so we will know tomorrow um, what that field for the special election, because there is a lot of rumors locally that a large number of the candidates will forego the special election and then just run in the primary. Um, um, and not so that they don't have to deal with the whole not running as a Democrat thing. So they'll, so I, I don't know who all will stay in or if anyone will stay in as an opponent for uh, Mr. Cummington and Mr. Abney, but it, there, it could be that the field may clear for the special election and they may, um, you know, 
pretty much secure um, at least uh, a half a year term in the state house, but knowing that um, candidates will be running for the full term uh, in May or June or whenever you know that primary happens. So that's something that we'll you know continue to watch. But I did just want to uh, you know clarify that um, be a bit of local um, political news. Um, and, and Chris, you know, Potter had an a interesting headline that that uh, that covered it. You know, they used a, a there was a lot of butter puns going around the local political world in the twenty four hours after that uh, Democratic committee meeting over on the north side last week. Yeah, and that actually caused a lot of um, conversations because people were very not necessarily entertained, but some people were off put by the fact that like you're literally drawing somebody's name out of a bucket, uh, a butter, a bucket of margarine, no less, to figure out who's going to represent people and make decisions for people's lives. And thinking about when we're talking about transparent and reflective democracy, how are we able to ensure that everyone has a seat at the table, is included, but has a fair chance uh, to be represented. So there's going to be some ongoing conversations. And there was conversations about, you know, um, is flipping coins or drawing lots, is that, um, you know, is that gambling, if you will? And what does that mean for candidates who may not be <laughs> aligned with that type uh, of, of policies and actions? So again, election law is fascinating. Um, election law, it, 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 you know, it's ever-changing. But it, I think this is something people really, if you've ever just been curious about, an election or what does it mean to be a candidate now is the time to really pay attention because anything that can happen it seems is happening in these Pennsylvania elections so we just want people just to stay involved uh, and to stay tuned about what's happening again uh, so much uh, we'll figure out when our next elections are but again make sure you're registered to vote you know uh, make sure your address is correct Make sure your name is correct on the ballot. I know I myself had issues with my mail-in ballot. Um, I had the wrong uh, the wrong precinct one year. Um, I didn't get sent in another year. Um, so again, just make sure you just are staying up to date on everything. And, and Mar- Marin mentioned this. We are not getting ballots in the mail right now. What we are getting is a request to say, do you want a mail-in ballot? So for those of you who, who've been voting by mail this pandemic, you have to fill that out or go back online and request your mail-in ballot. Those are not being automatically dispersed this year. So I got my thing in the mail thinking it was a ballot. It was not. It's just asking, do you want to uh, mail in your ballot this year or do you want to vote in person? So again, just make sure you if you if you're someone who may not be in the area on election day, may not want to be around a bunch of people on election day, go ahead and get your your uh, ballot, ballot in and try to have it in at least two weeks before um, April 5th, just to account for uh, mail delays. Yeah. And and the only other point that I, I, I want to add before we close out tonight is that, you know, we talked a little bit earlier with Marin about the Democratic Committee. And, um, you know, these are positions that are elected at the hyper local level. Um, at your local precinct, um, whatever precinct you live in, in Pittsburgh and Allegheny County, you're represented by a Democratic committee man or a committee woman. And these were the decision makers uh, over the last 10 days 
and have pretty much decided um, in large part, um, or at least not decided, but, you know, made a decision that put one person in a better position over another group of people to be the next state representative. So when you look at the 24th district, uh, Martel Covington got 40 votes. You know, so 40 people, you know, out of a group of about 100 deciding between six candidates, uh, Martel got 40 votes. And now he's in a great position to become a state representative, having 40 key people uh, supporting him. Look at a 55-55 vote and then a lottery held after that may decide the next state representative in the 19th district. Um, you could run for those positions and be one of those people uh, making those decisions. Um, a lot of people don't like that system um, in the special elections of how the Democratic Committee has such, you know, a, a large role. But there, it, it, there are public positions and there's an opportunity uh, for new people to run this year and be those folks making those decisions um, in, in the future. Because until the system is overhauled, this what will this will be you know how how the system plays out. So um, you know you could look look into a running in, in your local uh, precinct for Democratic committee, and the next time a special election comes up, you could be one of those people in the room making the decision, or 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 at least helping shape the future. Uh, you know of who's the leader of your community. So um, nothing really clears that up. Um, you know. Um, I don't think anything clear, you know, draws such a clear, a crystal clear picture of how important the Democratic Committee is as opposed to the last 10 days, you know, with these two nomination votes that have taken place. Those are the facts. And so, again, we hope you've learned a little bit about the election. We hope you were entertained a little bit um, and you were inspired to keep doing the work. Uh, to, to stay involved in electoral politics. We know a lot of stuff is happening in Pennsylvania. Um, we here at the One Hood Media Network are trying to keep you up to date and informed. We have you know some great programming coming in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Um, please make sure if you're on YouTube, uh, if you have a YouTube, that you um, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and like to our YouTube channel. Um, please make sure you are registered to vote. Um, and you uh, are following us on social media. We have some great events um, and engagement coming up the next couple of weeks. So please um, stay tuned with that. I'll hand it over to Kahari to take us out. I think, thanks again. And yes, we will be in touch uh, about uh, these upcoming forums. Um, you know, there is, you know, we had a whole schedule planned out. And now with the state not knowing what it's going to do and now with many candidates who had declared to run in the special election, who seem to be dropping out of the special election to run into primary, which we don't know is going to be held, it may affect, you know, our late February, March uh, ca candidate forum schedule. You know, we may be, you know, bringing JJ and Kadita and Stephen Caruso and Marin and other folks back on, on on a normal basis to keep folks up to date with all of the moving pieces of this very unusual. Um, election cycle, but uh, next Monday we will have an update uh, on what our candidate form schedule is going to be. But right now it is on pause because, you know, as even during the show, I was getting emails from candidates who were running in the 24th district, 
you know, who said they will no longer be seeking the special election will be running in the primary. Um, so we, we have to get a whole new sense of the political landscape once again, um, you know, to figure out um, who is still going to be in the special, who's going to be in the primary and how these uh, forms are going to take, take shape. But again, I do want to thank Stephen Caruso from the PA Capital Star, Marin Formley from Veeam Pittsburgh, JJ Abbott of Commonwealth uh, Communications, and Kadita Kenner from the New Pennsylvania Project for joining us tonight um, for a very important conversation. And everyone for joining us. Hope you're enjoying um, your, your Valentine's Day and your Valentine's evening. Um, you know, wish the best for everyone. Um, look forward to the Sunday night sit down this week as well as next. Monday special legislative forum on the on the current uh, probation bill in the Pennsylvania State House. We will talk uh, to criminal justice reform experts and other policy experts about why the current probation bill is bad uh, for those who are pushing to transform the criminal justice system. So until then, um, stay engaged in the process. I know it's a lot to keep up with, um, but again, want to thank our guests of Steve and Moran, Kadita and JJ for joining us. And until Sunday night, um, stay engaged in the process. Thank you for joining us. This was the One Hood Power Hour and 26 minutes. Um, this is Kahari Mosley uh, for One Hood Power on behalf of Miracle Jones, as well as our wonderful ASL interpreters, Kat and Cameron. Thank you for joining us and have a wonderful night.